Uh, today we're going to continue our study in John chapter 6. Uh, last week was kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, last week was kind of an introduction uh, into this, this uh, series, very, very interesting uh, interaction here with Jesus, and, and we'll find out its interaction with an unbelieving crowd uh, for the most part. We're going to find out that they do walk away. We'll see this week that, that what he's telling them, they aren't willing to believe, they're, they're not willing to acknowledge him as who he is claiming to be. So uh, we'll get, I don't want to give it all away uh, before we get into the study. But last week we, we were studying the account when Jesus calls out the people for following him based on what he could provide for them physically. Remember, he provided this, this miracle of a meal, feeding over 5,000 people with, with the, the loaves and the fish. And so they, they really liked that, getting, getting fed for free, and, and they decided they want to continue to see what else Jesus can do for him. So they followed him. They ended up taking some boats across the sea, and they find Jesus on the other side, and then Jesus tells them that their focus is, is in the wrong place. And that they needed to believe on him and who he was, the one that God had sent. He was the one that could give everlasting life. He was the payment. He was the solution for their spiritual problem. And they were focused on their physical problem. Everybody needs to eat. And that's what they were concerned with. Man, Jesus, if you can keep feeding us forever, that'd be wonderful. So then Jesus goes in and he starts explaining that he is the the bread from heaven. He's the the life-giving bread. And that's what we're going to look at today. But do you remember how they responded last week? After Jesus was was teaching them, Jesus was talking to them. Let's go ahead and look back at, um, we'll start in verse 29 of John chapter 6. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him who he hath sent. So the work of God is that you, you believe on him that he hath sent. Jesus is the one that God has sent. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the one that the Old Testament speaks about. He's saying it, it's the work of God that you believe on me. Look at their response, verse 30, how they responded to that. They said therefore under, unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee what dost thou work? So their response to Jesus saying to believe on the one that he had sent was their response was, okay, prove you're the one that, that God had sent. Prove you're that one. Show us a sign. But Jesus had just given them a sign in feeding them with five loaves and two fish, right? Miracles had been done. The crowd was following Jesus because of the miracles that he had done. Signs had been given. Prophecies had been being fulfilled. And they had been seeing that and they were following Jesus, but solely based on what he could do for them. I want, want to make sure we're clear on that. That's why I've said that 50 times over the last two weeks. Okay, so we have the crowd following him for that reason. They've seen this stuff and their response to Jesus is, okay, what sign do you have? What proof do you have? Why should we believe you? Why should we believe what you're saying? Give us a sign. How quickly they forgot what Jesus had done, how he had revealed himself to be the Messiah. But we find Jesus continuing to teach them. He's going to continue telling them who he is and what he was sent for. He is going to continue revealing who he was, who sent him, and the true lasting life that he has to offer. So we're going to see that as we continue to say this passage over the next uh, two or three weeks. We'll see. We'll see how long it actually takes. 
But the people responded with doubt and grumbling. And we're going to see that today. As we study today, let's be open to the words of Jesus. We, we have Jesus speaking to the crowd personally. We have God in the flesh. God among them, speaking to them, face to face here. Let's consider His greatness. Let's consider His gift. Let's consider who He is. I want to read all these verses with you together. It's from verse 30 to verse, well, we'll start in verse 31. We already read 30. But I want to read these before we start, and I know it's going to take some time, but stay with me because I want us to see that this big picture of what happens so that when we start going verse by verse, you don't lose how this kind of ends at the end of our study today. So let's start in verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at Him, because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you that we can, we can study this interaction and we can look at at you sending your son the bread of life and the spiritual life that he offers. He, he was, Jesus is so much more than just a physical provider, but he provide, provided the only spiritual remedy for our sins. The only way that we could be right with you, Jesus gave himself to be that sacrifice. And I thank you so much for that. And I pray that you'll give us understanding today and that we will see how great you are and and the greatness of your gift. And, and uh, I just pray that we will worship you and that we will 
will praise you. I pray that you will just meet with us now, that you will work in our hearts. Uh, challenge us, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. So, we kind of see the big, big picture there of these 20 verses. Uh, we have the people wanting another sign from Jesus as proof. Jesus had done plenty to prove his identity. I think we, we've covered that. The people now make a comparison of why the feeding of the 5,000 wasn't enough to satisfy their demands, why they wanted to see more. And I believe we can see this in verses 31 and 32. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. So what we have, we have these, these religious people, these people following after Jesus, seeing what he can do, seeing what he can provide. They refer back to the wilderness years of their nation, wandering in the wilderness for those 40 years. And this is, I believe, their train of thought. When they were wandering in the wilderness, Moses was able to take care of the people for 40 years, wandering in the desert with food from heaven. So they have this idea of Moses providing for them because Jesus calls them out. It wasn't Moses that gave you this, this bread. Jesus calls them out on that. But in their mind, Moses provided for us in the wilderness for 40 years. He provided for our people for 40 years. You just gave us one meal. Can you see, can you see that train of thought kind of going on here? And you just fed us one meal from earthly food. Like when we were fed in the wilderness, it, it, was, it was manna from heaven. It was provided from heaven. But you, Jesus, had this, this earthly food. You started with five loaves and two fishes. Yes, it was a miracle, but you can see this, this origin from food that was already there. So I picture them, if you're the Messiah, shouldn't your miracle be superior to Moses's? The scriptures, we can look back to the scriptures because they, they reference the scriptures in verse 31. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And I believe they mean Moses because Jesus calls them out for Moses, uh, not being the one that did it. The scriptures tell us that the, it was the Lord that provided the bread from heaven. And if you want to look that up, Exodus chapter 16, you can read that whole chapter, specifically verse 4, verse 15. And then Psalm 78, 24 talks about the Lord, the one that is providing. But then there's also criticism because you didn't trust in God, you didn't believe in God, and he was providing there. But we see the scriptures are clear that it was God that provided this, this food in the desert. And I don't think we would argue on that, that it was, it was God that gave this manna from heaven. So Jesus quickly corrects them. He says, verily, verily, and we talked about that, when we talk about it anytime we see verily, verily, it's, it's Jesus indicating this is true, this is true. Focus on what I'm saying to you. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you. What I'm about to tell you is very important. And he says, you're wrong. Your thinking is wrong. Your attitudes are wrong. It wasn't Moses that gave you the manna. The Father provided the manna. Let's get that straight. It was God that provided for the people in the wilderness. The manna in the wilderness was not the true bread from heaven. So you're putting all this, this stock in the provision of the wilderness. That is not the true bread from heaven. Yes, it provided for a temporary need, but my father giveth, or my father gives, and that word gives there is, is in the present tense, 
and it signifies it was not the manna from the past, but the Father was currently giving this bread from heaven. So, currently giving. And then it's, he says the true bread. True means genuine or real. The manna was real. The, the new bread from heaven is real. The, the manna in the wilderness was real provision for a physical need, but it was just a type that foreshadowed the ultimate bread, which would be Jesus Christ, the true bread from heaven that would come to give life. Verse 33, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So think about this. The manna in the wilderness just, just gave physical life. They, they needed that food, and God provided it. The bread of God gives spiritual life. Jesus gives life. Jesus came to give spiritual life to the world, verse 33 says. Manna was just food for the nation of Israel. Jesus came for the world. Jesus gives life everlasting to all who believe. And, and we'll look at that more as we continue in this study. But Jesus, the true bread from heaven, sent by God, is far superior to Moses. Moses was a chosen leader by God. He led the people through the wilderness, uh, people that would have been extremely difficult to lead. I imagine him smashing his head on, a, on the wall multiple times trying to deal with these people. A great leader, God used him in a great way, but Jesus Christ is superior to Moses. And the, the people had a high view of, of Moses and what he had done, but they had a low view of, of Jesus. The one who had been proving himself, they had a low view of Jesus, and Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. They have God in the flesh standing in front of them declaring to them who he was, the spiritual life that he offers. And we still have the people being hard-hearted. And it's, it's a pretty big problem to believe in, in Moses, but not in, in Jesus Christ. Verse 34, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. They still didn't get it. Jesus is talking about, verse 33, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So they say, give us, this, give us this bread. They missed the point Jesus was making. They say, give us this, this bread evermore. We want that, that life-giving bread, but they're still physically thinking here. They're still demanding Jesus to fill their bellies which is why they were following him in the first place. We see shallow followers only looking for what Jesus can do for them. And we talked a lot about this last week. Of This is nothing new. We can still see this all over the world of people following Jesus simply for what he can do for them. And then when it gets tougher, they don't like what God's doing, then forget you, Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue something else. When we got to realize God is God all the time. And, and he, is, he is right, He is perfect, He is just, and He is holy in all of His dealings all of the time. Whether we like it or not. 
And we have this, these shallow followers here who think they maybe want this, this food that could fill them forever. They'd never be hungry again. But Jesus is going to keep going because they still don't get it. Verse 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Jesus can't get any more clear with them. This, this bread I'm talking about, this, this bread that gives life, this bread that gives life everlasting, it's, it's me. He says, I am the bread of life. And I can picture Jesus, Jesus saying this. Like they're, they're, they're wanting this physical satisfaction. And Jesus says, you guys don't get it. It is me. I am the bread of life. And I'm standing right in front of you. I'm the one. I am the Messiah. I'm the one that can heal all your physical, I'm sorry, all your spiritual shortcomings. He says, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. And he's using this, this, I guess, metaphor here to show our spiritual need. It's a need that all humanity has. A need that only Jesus can meet. To believe in Christ is to trust in him completely as the Messiah, the Son of God, as the Lord, to acknowledge that salvation comes only through faith in Him. And He is the only payment for the, the, the sin debt, for our, our sin problem. Jesus uses the phrase, I am. This is a side note here, kind of, but it's super important, so I don't want to miss it. Jesus uses the phrase, I am. He says, I am the bread of life. This phrase is used on several different occasions in the Gospel of John. It's very significant. It's the name of God that we find in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And big picture, we see that Jesus is God. And Jesus is identifying himself with the I am God of the Old Testament. The God that these people would have, would have been very aware of. And Jesus links himself to the God of the Old Testament, because we know that Jesus is God. I wish we, we could just pause right here and go through all these I am phrases in John, and maybe we'll do that after we've, I don't know, no promises, but it's, it's so neat here to see Jesus revealing himself in this way and, and flashing back to the Old Testament and showing himself, declaring himself to be God. His audience should have caught on when he said, I am. But there was still rejection. There was, there was still this doubt. Look at verse 36. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believed not. So Jesus, I mean, pretty simple language here. And Jesus speaking to them. You have seen me face to face. You have seen me in action. You have, you have seen these Old Testament prophecies fulfilled. You have seen me meet all the criteria for the Messiah, and you still don't believe. Their rejection was in the face of his self-revelation. You, you see that? Jesus is standing in front of them declaring, it's me, and their rejection is right in his face. 
They rejected him to his face. Notice verse 36, the the way that it, it starts with that contrasting conjunction there. He says, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So he says, here's what happened for those who come to me, for those who believe in me. They'll never hunger, they'll never thirst. We understand he's speaking spiritually there. Then verse 36, he starts it out with the word but. So those who will believe, this is what happens. But then he contrasts that with this group of people that was around him. And he says, but. This is what happens for those who believe, but. You all aren't believing in me. I'm standing in front of you, and you don't believe in me. There's a problem here, people. Can you picture this scene playing out? He says, you and your rejection will not experience this spiritual satisfaction. Those who believe receive this, but you all don't believe. You're not going to receive this spiritual satisfaction. You can understand here if, if Jesus was discouraged by the rejectors. Especially on a human level, we can, we can understand uh, how rejection works and how pouring your life into someone and, and trying to help someone see truth and them to reject. Or, I mean, even just doing something nice for someone and them to end up just slapping you in the face. We can understand that. So we, we could understand here if, if there was some, some disappointment in Jesus or some discouragement from these rejectors. But he responds in a positive way and a confident way. Look at verse 37. So he's just acknowledged that the people are, re, are rejecting him. They don't believe in him. Verse 37, he says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So he's saying, you all don't believe in me. You all are rejecting me. But there will be those that believe in me. The Father has given me some that will believe. The ones that come to me, the ones that truly believe in me, I will not cast out. I will receive, and they are secure. There's a contrast between those who are rejecting him to his face and those who the Father will give him that will come to him, that will believe in him. They will be secure. They will be saved. And they can rest in Christ and have that that spiritual fullness. Look at verses 38 through 40. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which he hath, or sorry, which hath sent me that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus here reminds the audience that he came from heaven. And they're going to have a big problem with this. We'll see in a minute. Because he says, I came from heaven, not to do his own will, but the will of his Father. And we see over and over in the Gospels how Jesus is is completely obedient to do the will of the Father. He was always careful to do the Father's will. 
the security of the believer's salvation is the Father's will for him to ensure. That's so encouraging because we know that Jesus always perfectly keeps the Father's will. The salvation of the believer is secure in Christ. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up on that last day. So Jesus is revealing to them that this incredible truth right to their face. Look what their focus is on. Look how the crowd responds to the words of Jesus. Verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. So they, they murmured. They were grumbling. That the, the Greek word there is a, for grumbling, for murmuring, is an onomatopoeia word where it sounds like what it is. The, the Greek word is gangdu, gang, sorry, ganguzo. Can, can you imagine the, a whole bunch of people actually saying that, how that would, it would sound like, like grumbling? So you get the onomatopoeia idea there. But we have this, this crowd of Jews just grumbling. Did you hear what Jesus just said? Do you hear what was, what was going on? Do you hear the claims that he's making? He just said that he's from heaven. And I can picture this crowd mumbling and the roar kind of growing here with God standing in front of them, revealing himself to them. And they're grumbling. They're getting caught up in his words and they're missing who is standing right in front of, front of them and the declaration that he's making, the revelation that he's giving to them. So they were mad that he claimed to be the bread that came down from heaven. They missed the point that he was the solution to their spiritual problem. They overlooked this overwhelming evidence. They were mad at his claim. They only thought of him on this human level. Jesus had been proclaiming truth. The crowd is grumbling. The crowd is murmuring among themselves. Look at verse 42. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is, this, how is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? You can almost see the crowd going from, from grumbling to mocking. Like, Jesus, we know what town you're from. We know who, who your mom and your dad are. How are you claiming to be from heaven? And you can, you can almost picture this going through the crowd, one person whispering it to another person, and you can see the crowd kind of uprising here with this grumbling and, and this mocking towards Jesus. His dad is Joseph. His mom is Mary. We know who his parents are. We know what his dad did for a living. How can he claim to be come down from heaven? Sure, his earthly parents were Mary and Joseph, but there is so much more to the story than that. And we can reflect back to the incarnation of Christ that we celebrate in December where He left perfect heaven to come to this earth, to take upon Him the, the form of a servant. He humbled Himself and He was born of a virgin. Joseph was not His father. Joseph was in the home raising Him respectfully. But Jesus was born of a virgin just as the Old Testament prophesied. Fulfilling Old Testament prophecy that would prove that he was the Messiah. 
Yet the people reject that, and they say, his mom's Mary, his dad is Joseph. Jesus was God in the flesh, born of a virgin, just as the Old Testament prophesied. And they missed it. They still grumbled. They still mocked. Jesus responds, verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. Don't murmur. Don't grumble. Their behavior reflected their, their rebellious and their hard hearts. Look at verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at that last day. Jesus saying, I am indeed sent from the Father. You might be rejecting me here, but there will be people that believe. The Father is drawing them to me, and they will believe. You might be rejecting, but the Father is drawing. And whoever the Father draws will come to me, and they are secure in me, and I will raise them up on that last day. Verse 45. There's a whole lot of security that we can find in these, these verses. But verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they, sh they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So Jesus refers back here to Isaiah chapter 54, specifically verse 13. But this would help emphasize to them that his teaching was consistent with the Old Testament and that, sorry, the Old Testament that they claimed to hold so dear that the teachings of Jesus were consistent with the Old Testament. He could reference Isaiah for that. Those who hear and learn will come. The crowd wasn't hearing or learning. They were murmuring. They were hard-hearted. They weren't believing what Jesus was saying. Let's keep going. Verse 46. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Jesus, the only way to God, who was God in the flesh, who was completely obedient always to the will of the Father, could authoritatively speak about the Father and the truth of salvation. He had that, that authority. He was God. He was God in the flesh. He is God. Then we go to verse 47. Here it is again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So remember him telling the people here, pay attention. This is truth. This is truth. He that believes on me has everlasting life. I'm telling you the absolute truth here, people. Believe in me. Then verse 48, I am that bread of life. He tells them again, I, I am the bread. I am the true bread from heaven, the bread the Father is giving. I am the one. Verse 49, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. He makes that clear to them again. Yeah, there was manna in the wilderness, but they're dead. I am offering spiritual, eternal life here. Your fathers had the manna, but they're dead. Verse 50, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Hallelujah. Speaking there of the, the spiritual bread, 
of, of Jesus Christ being the bread of life, of those who, of those who truly believe, of, of those who come to him, he offers this eternal life. Jesus is the life giver. Everlasting life is found only in Christ. Trust in him, believe in him, surrender to him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And, and he is he's worthy of such praise. And it's wonderful to look ahead to the future when we will get to worship and praise and declare the greatness of our God. And I'm so thankful for the life that he offers, the life, the life that he gives. He's such a wonderful God. Uh, let's, let's praise him for his greatness. Let's consider who he is, uh, the importance of, of his finished work. We have such a wonderful Savior. Let's pray together.